On today's episode of the John Campy Show podcast, The Flash has opened up in theaters and didn't do very well. Pixar's new film Elemental opened up in theaters and didn't do very well. Indiana Jones 5 is on its way and it's not looking like it's going to do very well. Hey, on the upside, Avatar, The Last Airbender, the live action series coming to Netflix, put out their first images and we kind of like them. That and a whole bunch more of the John Campy Show podcast starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie-related show on the planet, the John Campion Show, coming to you from right here in our little studio, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, your host, John Campion, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies and movie news, TV and streaming, and all sorts of good stuff, not just giving you our opinions, but giving you information and context so you guys can form your own well-informed opinions, whether they're the same or completely different from ours. Joining me in Sue today, of course, we got Ray Ora, hey, hey. Jonathan Voiko, the wonderful Chris Carr. Happy Juneteenth. And most importantly... You guys are here. Thank you so much for joining us and making this show part of your day. And here's how today's show is going to go. We break it down into two parts. In the first main part of the show, we talk about all those topics that we already brought up a little bit earlier. And in the last part of the show, we take questions from our YouTube channel members. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, we want you to know that we also have a YouTube channel that we put up some individual videos of every day. And over on that channel, we have members. And our membership sends in questions and topics that we address every day here on the show. All right. With that down, guys, let's jump into it. We're going to start with this. The Flash is now out in theaters. A movie that they literally announced 10 years ago has finally come out in theaters, and it has not exactly had a smooth ride to get here. Through production delays, at least four different changes in directors and writers, and even one time Ezra Miller saying, I want to write the script. And that didn't go anywhere. <laughs> to all the controversy surrounding Ezra Miller and so on and so forth, the film has finally come out. Now, Ray and I saw it last month at CinemaCon. And we both really liked the movie. I mean, like I said, don't believe the hype that it's one of the greatest comic book films of all time, but it was still great. I loved it. And you know, Ray and I actually just saw it again the other night to say, like, wait, wait a second. Wait. <laughs> Were we just kind of all awash in the glow of CinemaCon? Let's go see it again. <laughs> and we saw it again. And Ray, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you're like me. I think you liked it even more the second time. I know I, I liked it even more the second time. I did. I did. There's things that I like I didn't catch the first time. I think it's a good movie. I mean, I, I have a good time with that movie, despite all everything else. All the garbage surrounding yeah, yeah. it, right? Just as a movie itself, I'm finding myself smiling throughout the whole thing. I mean, smiling sometimes... For bad reasons, like, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> that green screen is uh, pretty apparent there. Well, but. I mean, like that, that brings up the thing, right? Like the one of the things I said in my initial reaction to the movie was that the third, the third act feels a little bit disjointed at times, a little scattered at times. And I felt that even more the second time that I watched it and, and what have you. But the important thing was, how was it going to open? Were people going to go to see it? And, and I've said for a while. I'm not going to be surprised with all these things working against it if this movie opens as low as $40 million. I said, but the movie's so good, I also wouldn't be surprised if it opened to $120 million. And, and now we got the answer to which is which. And I discovered my most favorite part of the movie, and it's a sad thing to say, is the end credits. My God. The end credits, the the 
what they did in the end credits. Uh, oh, with, with the credits actually rolling? Yeah, with the credit. You know what I'm talking yeah, about, Yeah, I'm right? talking about like, the video and the footage. Not talking about the end post-credit scene. No, We're talking no. about as the credits are rolling, there's some video that plays behind it yeah, that was actually pretty charming God, and fun so that I really cute. liked. <laughs> but now the movie's opened up in theaters, and it crashed. Oh, oh. There's no other way to put it. They were already projecting $70 million, which is just a hair above the $67 million that Dwayne Johnson's Black Adam made. Yeah. So that was already concerning. Well, it didn't even get to $70 million. It made $55 million. And there's no way to, there's no way to sugarcoat it. There's no way to, to spin it. That's disastrous. For a $200 million movie, that's disastrous. Now, I still think this movie's going to do better than Black Adam did. I think more people like it. I mean, it's got a high 80s audience rating. It's got a fairly decent majority of, of critics that like it over the ones that don't. But there's no other way to put it. This thing fell flat. Now, we made a video about this a little bit earlier today, but I just want to run through these quick. There are probably many, 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 many reasons why Flash suffered such a faceplant uh, on its opening weekend. But there's three in particular I want to point out, okay? Number one, DC movies are in a terrible state right now. Like, if you go back over the number of DC films, first of all, you got to acknowledge, DC has never lived up to its potential. It's never done that. Right from the very first brilliant Man of Steel film, didn't live up to its potential. But if you look over the last number of DC films, and we're looking at these. We had James Gunn's Suicide Squad. You might want to refresh that, Jonathan. James Gunn's Suicide Squad, only made $26 million on its opening weekend, only $168 million worldwide. Granted, giant asterisks. It was one of those idiotic Warner Brothers decisions to release it day and date on HBO Max and the theaters at the same time. So you got to put an asterisk on that. But still, of course, the aforementioned Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Black Adam movie that only opened to 67 and didn't even manage to make $400 million worldwide. Then Shazam 2, which I think is a good movie, only made $30 million and then $133 million worldwide total. The big, what I call the biggest flop in the modern comic book era. Biggest flop that they've had. And even if you go before Suicide Squad, you got The Birds of Prey and The Fabulous Emancipation 1 Harley Quinn barely cracked 200 million worldwide. DC has been in a terrible state, which is one of the big reasons why James Gunn and Peter South, I always laugh whenever people say they shouldn't reboot DC. I want to say, are you insane? Are you insane? Of course they need to reboot DC. And all the more, making even more important about how good, hopefully good, that Superman legacy is going to be in 2025. The second big thing I want to point out, besides DC being in a pretty rough state right now, is all the Ezra Miller controversies, right? And then connected to that one would be a third reason, which is the absence of a traditional press tour. Normally with these big movies, you have a press tour. You do junkets and you do these press events. And they couldn't put the star of their movie in front of the press. Of course they couldn't. Because as I pointed out in the video earlier today, they put, the, they put Ezra in front of any reporter worth their salt. The first question to Ezra was not going to be, what's it like working with Michael Keaton? The first question, and all the questions are going to be about babies in houses with guns. They're going to be about parents taking out restraining orders against you. They're going to be about breaking into people's houses and wrapping your hands around a girl's throat. I mean, that's what all the questions are going to be about. So they couldn't do any tradition. Now, again, I'm sure there's lots of other reasons, but those are three that really stood out to me. And two thoughts come to mind. One, what a disaster. 
Even though, and it, to me, it's always a shame when what I believe to be a really good movie suffers financially. We'll talk about that with Elemental in a bit. But number two, it just re-emphasizes and puts an extra large, bold explanation point on the fact that when you look at the result of The Flash and the last five films that came before it, hell, go all the way back to Man of Steel. They needed to reboot this universe. And anyway, Chris... You did. You didn't get to see the movie with us at CinemaCon. No. You have had finally had a chance to see it. I've gotten to see it, and I had that dramatic interpretation from Logan Pete, which, so, which was fabulous, which was by so the way. Good. Yeah. It was like Andy Dwyer was giving this great re reacting of it. That is the nicest thing you could say too. He was truly, a, he truly is the Andy Dwyer of our time. I was, love him so much. It was so a great reunion. I watched it. It was like I was watching the movie again. Fifty-five million. Mm-hmm. I, I I said I wouldn't be shocked if it or, opened as low as forty. So I'm not shocked, but this is, is there any other way to paint this other than a disaster for DC? And why do you think it opened this slow? I mean, it's a big, big bummer for DC. It's not, you can't sugarcoat it. This is a loss. This really, really is. And, you know, I know we've obviously talked ad nauseum about the Ezra Miller situation. And when I went into the movie, I tried to, okay, I'm going to view this without even thinking about Ezra, without thinking about how this took 10 years. And I still didn't have the greatest time with it, right? I loved some of the humor. I really liked that Back to the Future scene that we talked about. Yeah, that was great. I think the comedy in this works well. I love the more stylized moments. I wish they committed to it. I had some issues with it just on its own merit, where it was just something that for me- Aside from Ezra, you had issues with the film. I liked Ezra in this, honestly. And even if it was a different actor, I would have gone, yeah, this is fine. So I, I didn't love it as much as you guys did, but I'm glad people are enjoying it. That said, even if you are the average moviegoer who didn't know about all the controversy ahead of time, almost every single review touches on it. And that makes sense in the fact that a lot of the trades, you know, they have to, one, reference other articles that they've done. They're doing their due diligence on reporting other things. But you don't have many reviews that are free of the Ezra controversy, first of all. Hard to get away from it. That that's something that definitely I think shades it. And then to your point too, we've talked about this before, and I really thought for a long time this was going to be an issue. Those people who did know about the DCU reboot, getting rid of the DCEU, going strictly DCU, are going, eh, what's the point? Or the people who have been seeing these movies already have gone, DC's kind of a mess. I don't know if I want to see this. I'll just wait till it's on streaming. That's the thing I've heard most from people is, oh, yeah, I'll just wait till it hits max. I'll just wait till it's streaming. No big deal. And maybe it'll get a good resurgence there. But so many people who didn't want to see it because of the Ezra stuff, who I recognize I'm in an L.A. bubble. So that's a factor here. Maybe not other places have told me I'm not seeing it. I don't want to pay to go see it. I'll wait till it's on streaming. And then other people going, you know, D.C. really hasn't been hitting for me lately. I'll just wait till it's on the streamer. So I think a lot of these things are just making this lovely cornucopia of bullshit for D.C. right now. (laughs) It's hard to get away from. Ray, you've seen the film a couple of times. Also, Ray's in a very unique position that over the past couple of years, he's had to try to come up with 45 different thumbnails to show (laughs) Ezra Miller, but that isn't exactly like the last thumbnail he just made. That has been the greatest challenge in Ray Orr's career. (laughs) But honestly, as a guy who's seen the movie now a couple of times, and as somebody who has had to cover a lot of the Flash stories going on, why do you think, if you had to pinpoint one or two elements, what do you think are the biggest factors for Flash uh, not doing well? I will say there's a part of me that feels like it would have been done better if it opened up a little earlier, like maybe after John Wick 4, maybe a, 
uh, the week before John Wick 4. I think it's it's being surrounded by a lot of other choices that are great choices. Spider-Verse. Like, oh, like if you want the action, you got Transformers still right yeah. there. You got Spider-Verse. You want story. Flash can't compete with those movies, unfortunately. Even though it's my favorite DCEU movie, it's crazy to say that. Rise of the Beast. I would rather go see Rise of the Beast again than Flash. You know ooh, what I mean? Ooh, yeah. That is a condemnation no, but, right but, there. Like, but you got to understand my love for robots. Yeah. And I, robots, I like Rise of the Beast, too. I like that movie. I love freaking robots. So, like, anything that, other than space, anything other competes yeah. with it, it can't. Well, it's such a good point, too, Ray, because Spider-Verse 2, again, trying to just view this movie on its own, but we even compared it to Everything Everywhere All at Once of, oh, man, you want to talk multiverse handling. Spider-Verse nails it. Yeah. And we just had that fresh in our minds. So even though I love I love the spaghetti of it, it still is <laughs> just like, oh, that other one I think did this yeah. a little better. When you're going and thinking about, at least for me, if what I'm going to go see again. And, and I hate to say it. A lot of people are penny pinching right now. I mean, Very what, true. what's going on? Like they sure. want to spend their money on something they, they, they can trust. That's like, you know, they see reviews. Would you rather see something that's 90% or maybe 60%? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like. But then again, don't forget that Marvel just put out yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And I owe you lunch. Which, which everybody knows they're not <laughs> doing that, any right? more Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> this is the last thing of this Guardians of the Galaxy we're going to see and all that kind of stuff. And it's closing in on $850 million at the box office. Well done. Well that designed. movie was so good. Yeah, so yeah. good on them. And by the way, it it also opened on the same weekend as as another quasi high profile film in Elemental, which we're going to talk about here in a second. So there's that. Well, speaking of Elemental, let's now talk about that. Flash wasn't the only movie that opened up this weekend. Pixar released their new film Elemental. Now, we also made a standalone video about this a little bit earlier today where I mentioned that. I didn't really know what to expect from it. I mean, I liked what I saw at CinemaCon. thought the trailers have been pretty good. Not great. Uh, not They haven't done a marketing campaign that just made audiences go, we must go see this. But I saw the movie, and I'll tell you what. This is a wonderful... <laughs> Pixar made a wonderful movie with Elemental. Not a top three or four best Pixar movie of all time, but a wonderful film nonetheless. It had depth with it really being a, an immigration story, the story of an immigrant. It's also had great humor, wonderful warmth and charm. It had my wife crying in the, in the theater on more than one occasion. Wonderful film. It flopped. Woo! Hmm. As of right now, and it could drop the second lowest opening in the history of Pixar. How low is that? You got to go all the way back to the first Pixar wide release with the original Toy Story in 95, I believe is when the original Toy Story came out. Sounds about right. 90 something. And it only beat the original Toy Story by $400,000. According to reports, Elemental made $29.5 million. The original Pixar made $29.1 million. So since the very first Pixar film came out near 30 years ago, this is the lowest opening weekend for a Pixar film ever. And it's unfortunate because it's a great movie. Elemental's great. So we started kind of looking at the whys again. Well, why did this wonderful movie do so badly? And like Flash, there I believe there are a plethora of reasons. There's more than just one reason. There's many, many, many reasons. One of which, of course, it was opening up against Flash, which was going to eat up 
well, in, in this case, the Flash, it ate up $55 million at the box office. But I, I, I think the problem is bigger. I think the problem is perception. I think it's the image right now of Pixar films. And of course, instead of blame Canada, it's blame JPEG. Um, it goes back to this, because let's bring up this graphic. When it used to be that Pixar films, the general perception of them was a Pixar movie coming out was an event. When Pixar was putting out a movie, that was a time to circle the date on your calendar, to plan your family night out at the movies, and you, you were going to go see it was a big event. Well, Bob Chapek, who took over Disney under impossible circumstances, absolutely ridiculously negative circumstances, no CEO has ever taken over a company, I think, in, in a worse situation than Bob Chapek did with the pandemic hitting, no movies could be in production, no movies could be in theaters, your cruise lines couldn't cruise, your theme parks couldn't park. It was a horrible, horrible situation to take over. But he still made a number of really bad decisions. One of them was to start taking Pixar films, like the ones you see here on screen, for those of you watching the video version of this on Spotify, and dump them on Disney Plus, right? Soul, dumped on Disney Plus. Luca, dumped on Disney Plus. Turning Red, a magnificent film that I still contend should have won the Academy Award for Best Animated Film, dumped on Disney Plus. And then when they finally did put a movie out in theaters, it unfortunately was Lightyear, which, number one, audiences had no idea what this movie even was. Like, wait a minute, is this a Toy Story movie? Is it not? Like, what? what like Tim's not doing the voice? What's going on? But on top of that, it just was a pretty disappointing film. Despite the fact that it started really strong and ended up being kind of a disappointing film. So what has happened? And even if you go before Soul, you had Ryan the Last Dragon, which they did one of their idiotic, let's put it on Disney Plus the same day we put it out in theaters. I mean, they experimented with that idiocy too and it bit them in the ass. So what happened now is the perception, fair or unfair, of Pixar films went from being this is a theatrical event to Pixar? Oh yeah, they put cartoons on TV. Fair or unfair, that's the perception. We haven't had a, the, the, any momentum that Pixar had, gone through years of releasing solid films like Soul, like Luca, especially turning red and just putting them on Disney Plus. Something that really pissed off the rank and file at Pixar. Many, many stories came out about how the people who worked at Pixar was completely disenfranchised by the fact that Disney was forcing them to drop these things on Disney Plus and it damaged the brand. And so now when you have something like Elemental come out, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying pre-pandemic that Elemental would have been a billion-dollar film. Don't misunderstand me. But it would have been looked at like a big event. A new Pixar film, Elemental, would have come out, and this movie would have done, I believe, a hell of a lot better. Anyway, Chris, those are kind of my thoughts on it. When you look at Elemental, and you did see the film, right? Yes, and I loved it. You So you loved the film. Yeah. Why did Elemental, uh, let's call it what it is, flop? Why did Elemental flop the way it did? I think you nailed it. It's people, I, I got to hang out with some of my friends who have kids this weekend. And talking I'm to sorry? them about it. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was a great birth control moment, right? Of, oh my gosh, this is insane. This is a nightmare. <laughs> just watching small children run around while adults are trying to just eat their own food is, <laughs> ooh, you were like, I'm making great choices. 
So I was talking to them about, oh, are you going to take your kids to see this? I was, oh, it, it's going to be on streaming. Same kind of thing, right? Of just, yeah. I'll just wait till it's on streaming. That's where all the animated movies go, and it's so much easier for us. So it's a family of four. I got to get the kids' popcorn. They start screaming. This is easier. So you have that kind of factor here of just the now assumption that animation just goes to streaming and straight to streaming, right? And I know people gave me a hard time about this, but I think the phrase is correct. The disrespect that Chapek paid to animation yeah. is really, really biting them in the ass Because it wasn't just his decision to drop those movies. There were there were other comments he made about animation that did not sit real well with people in that industry. Exactly. And, you know, right now we've got this downward swing to for Disney right now with all these layoffs, right? We're supposed to have about 7,000 layoffs by the end of the summer. We've already seen about 75 folks over at Pixar, big name people at Pixar, yeah. laid off. The director of Lightyear, Sussman, who saved Toy Story in yeah. 1999. You know, it's, it's a crazy, crazy time over there. And I think people just don't have the same view of Pixar anymore. Because 13 years ago, yeah, it was top of its game. Everyone was all about Pixar. Oh my gosh, what are they going to, what inanimate object is going to make me cry this time and think about my humanity? <laughs> and I think they are still putting out quality stuff. I know you guys didn't enjoy Lightyear. I didn't love the third act, but I didn't think it was as heinous as a yeah. lot of people. And I love Luca. I love Turning Red. I think if those films had come out in theaters, and I understand the pandemic of it all really did affect things, but Turning Red, that really, really deserved a theatrical release. It was such an amazing, wonderfully done movie. I think people now just have this different view of Pixar that it's lesser, and it can't compete with these other studios right now, which is a shame because as much as I love things like Super Mario Brothers, Pixar can tell a story with their eyes closed, yeah. you know? And Super Mario Brothers, while it is faithful to the game, it's a fun time, it's beautiful visually, you're not going there for a hefty story, right? I'm not leaving having an existential crisis like I do when a spork is talking to me about how they're trash. <laughs> There's just some disconnect right now that I think the studio has and then the studio with its audience has as well. By, by the way, I just want to throw this in here. Like every part of my morning routine, every morning in my drive to the studio, I get a morning briefing from the, the guy who kind of looks after our business affairs, right? Just give me an update on all the things going on with our sponsors and blah, blah, blah. And um, he asked me, like, well, really, what was... Because I put in the newsletter this morning. We have a newsletter that goes out every day, by the way, guys. You should sign well, up. Almost every single day. You should go and subscribe to it. But in the newsletter, I, I talked a little bit about the, the Chapek effect and the, the, the image problem that they now have. And my business guy asked me, well, I mean, really... What were they supposed to do at that time with with the uh, the pandemic? And I what I said was they should have done what Tom Cruise did and say, then we sit on it. Then we wait. And that costs money and that's a pain in the ass. But Tom Cruise said, nope, because I believe we have a great movie in Top Gun Maverick. And he won the studio. The studio said, yep, okay, we will wait. We will sit on this and we will wait and we will put it out in theaters when the theaters are ready. And I'm not saying that Luca, Soul, or Turning Red would have made $1.2 billion or however much Top Gun Maverick did, but they should have taken the Tom Cruise approach there. Well, they would have made more than streaming. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's it could have made some money or none. That's and, what we're looking at. And is it just me? I'm not a big... Pixar fan, but when looking at Elemental, that doesn't scream the usual Pixar looking movie to me. I don't know if that's a weird thing to say because, like, if you look at the last four, 
all the posters have like a human sort of person like in front of it. This one is like there's it's like a different. I, I don't know. Am I? Is that weird to think that, oh, yeah. this could oh, possibly be DreamWorks? There's definitely an el- uh, human element removed from it. Yeah, this was pr- definitely one of the more stylized ones. Mm-hmm. I think, And I think maybe the animation wasn't vibing with everybody. Um, I just really want this to be successful, too, because they they cast people who just made sense for the voices. Right. It yeah, they like, didn't just do, let's get big stars to do the voices. They got they great voice performers to do work. it. The, the guy who plays the father flame, he's one of their animators. Like, oh, he was so amazing cool. in it. I didn't know he's that. So good because we were looking up trivia, and Logan was like, "No way, he's not an actor. He crushes this." And it's because he has such a good understanding of what you need to do in animation. And I really hope more people see this because it's a great story. It takes that whole like star-crossed lovers idea and lets you know that you have a say in your life and who you get to be with and how you get to live. And it's really an important story, I think, for people to go see. It's a good one. It, uh, so it, it really is, really is wonderful. And I hope more people will get out to see it. All right, guys, with that down, we're going to take a quick second here to thank one of the sponsors of the John Campy Show podcast here today. They've saved me a bunch of money. The wonderful folks at Rocket Money. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of this video, Rocket Money. The average person has around 12 paid subscriptions. Think about that. If you think you're only subscribed to a handful of services, you might want to double check. With Rocket Money, you can quickly identify and cancel all of your unwanted subscriptions. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitor your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Rocket Money will quickly and easily identify your subscriptions for you so you can stop paying for the ones you don't want and don't even use. Simply find the subscription you don't want and press cancel and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. No more long hold times with customer service or tedious emailing back and forth. Rocket Money makes canceling subscriptions as easy as the click of a button. My wife Ann and I moved out of Burbank two years ago and one of the first things I discovered when I loaded up Rocket Money was that I was still paying for a gym membership I haven't even been to in Burbank in two years. So stop throwing away your money. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to Rocket rocketmoney.com slash campia that's rocketmoney.com slash campia rocketmoney.com slash campia and thank you to our friends at rocket money for sponsoring this episode of the john campia show podcast all right guys with that down let's get into this shall we you know unfortunately today's theme seems to be underperformance Despite the fact that we're coming off of big things like Mario Brothers joining the Billion Dollar Cup, Top Gun Maverick, we were just talking about Guardians of the Galaxy 3 making getting close to $850 million at the box office. Unfortunately, the last couple of weeks I've been great. I mean, yeah, we had the flash fall on his face. We had elemental burnout. Yeah, catch, catch, catch a couple of things I said there. Uh, uh, Transformers, Rise of the Beast, which I actually had a really good time watching, took a 67% drop in its second weekend. Well, now we're looking ahead to another film, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which is coming up in just a couple of weeks at the end of the month. And this was a movie that if you go back a number of months before it did its debut at the Cannes Film Festival and the reactions and reviews started coming out, I really believed that Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny was one of the films that had the potential to be a billion-dollar film. I never thought it would make more than Mario Brothers, But I did think Indiana Jones had the potential to be one of the bigger films of the year. And when I would go into movie theaters, still, 
into movie theaters and the trailer would play, pretty regularly that trailer would get the biggest pop out of the audiences that I would be sitting in. They showed us about 15 minutes of the film at CinemaCon, and I liked what we saw. I mean, didn't blow the doors off, but it was really good, solid Indiana Jones-feeling stuff, right? Well, then the reviews came out and the reactions, and they weren't great. Um, even the ones that liked the film were very subdued in their enthusiasm. Said, yeah, the movie's good. That being said, it's not great. It's not like fantastic. A lot of the people who disliked it didn't viscerally hate it, but they were like, listen, guys, it's it's got some things going for it, but it's not so good. And you could feel, it's like looking visually at this big sail on the ship Indiana Jones and all of a sudden all the wind came out of it. And since then, it's weird. I've barely hear anybody talk about it. Before it debuted at Cannes, I would hear a lot of people talking about Indiana Jones. And since those reviews and reactions came out, listen, I'm only telling you my experience with the people who write in and message me and all that kind of stuff and the people we hear from. I'm only talking to you about my personal experience. But my personal experience has been ever since those reviews and reactions came out, I'm not going to say nobody talks about Indiana Jones, but man, it's like an empty concert hall now. It's crickets. <laughs> and meanwhile, the projections have dropped a bit more and more. Those projections, by the way, are the topic of one of today's Mint Mobile hotline questions of the day. Listen, if you guys have a question or a topic and you'd like to hear your voice on our podcast, go ahead and call our Mint Mobile hotline anytime 24-7 at 951-268-4259. And today's question is specifically about how is Indiana Jones going to do? Check it out. Hi, John. This is Thomas Gasper from Toronto calling here, and I wanted to just ask if you heard about the latest Indiana Jones tracking numbers coming out, because apparently it's supposed to be making $60 million on its opening weekend, and I thought this film was going to surpass Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, to be honest, and open to at least 100 to $120 million, but I just wanted to know what you guys think about these projections, and do you guys think it'll surpass or possibly even go lower than these projections? All right, Thomas, thanks for calling that in. From Toronto, no doubt. Look, I, I'm, I'm with you. It was not terribly long ago that I believed like you did that, hey, when we get to the opening weekend of Indiana Jones, we're going to see a hundred plus million dollar opening. Maybe even like something like a $150 million opening. No way of that now. No way. And I'm not saying that because of the reviews and the reactions. I'm saying that because of the fact that I don't hear anybody talking about it anymore. I don't sense any big enthusiasm from people from it anymore. And this might end up like Flash and Elemental that I see, and I think it's a fantastic movie. But before I've seen it, and I haven't seen it yet, the all the enthusiasm seems to be gone for it. So you know what? Those new projections of like $60 million making less opening weekend than... Black Adam did. I I I wouldn't be surprised. I'll tell you this right now. I won't be surprised if it opens less to sixty million dollars. I'm I'm not putting a prediction on it. I'm just saying I won't be surprised if it's less. Chris, you know Indiana Jones has been a, a topic of conversation for us for a long time. Yeah. Obviously with five and you know with James Mangold directing it and Indy returning and it's going to be his last hurrahs. Indiana Jones, all that kind of stuff. And then we saw the stuff at CinemaCon. The reviews came. I, I don't know, is is this projection right now of like 60 million, is that unfairly low? Like, do you think it still has the potential to come out to be much higher than that? Do you think it could be lower? 
What do you think? I mean, what's unfair is that Kingdom of the Crystal Skull had a hundred million three weekend opening. <laughs> and these are the projections. But that makes sense, though, right? The last indie installment was pretty lackluster. And then now coming but out of But it was following up Last Crusade, which was, which was great. astounding, yeah. which was so good. And then you had the news out of Cannes, right, of we're going to give Harrison Ford a standing ovation, but not the movie. <laughs> so I do think the reviews definitely, definitely hurt this. I After this weekend, too... I think these projections are probably on the money. If this, if these box office weekends had been switched, I think that would have been great for Indiana Jones. I think having a Father's Day weekend opening would have been a real great boom for this movie because I just think of I think of people like my dad who love Harrison Ford, who have watched these movies religiously through the decades and are are still excited about seeing this, right? But they also need a nudge usually to go to the theater. Yeah. My my 65-year-old dad is usually like, eh, I'll see it when I see it, right? So I think that would have helped a lot. I'm hoping it opens more than these other two films. And I think the nostalgia factor here could help it. I do think people will give it a shot. But man, it is not looking good. This is a bummer week for movies. This yeah, is a I bunch mean, of yeah, we're talking news. about some pretty disappointing numbers. I, I know, Jonathan, like you've been tracking all this stuff as much as I have here. Are the is the sixty million dollar thing? Is that like lowballing, or do you think it could actually be that lower? Lower. I until today I thought it was lowballing, but now after the flash and it, it it underperforming and elemental underperformed, I'm starting to think the trackings are correct. Yeesh. And now I'm afraid it too opens below tracking. And so, I'm I'm looking forward to the movie. I already same. have my tickets. I'm excited. But I've got my tickets too. But so so then here's let's get into the whys. All you right, guys and got maybe, tickets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And Ray, you're going too. Since <laughs> say uh, you probably have one. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's get into the whys. And maybe it's premature because the movie hasn't actually opened yet. We don't know that it's going to underperform. Yeah. But if it does, then we get into the whys. Because there's going to be again, winning cures everything. But when you lose, man, a lot of blame starts coming out. So is it the reviews that are dropping it? Is it the fact that listen? While a lot of us buzzed when they talked about Indiana Jones, maybe do people not really care about Indiana Jones anymore? Yeah. I kind of felt like the demand for this just isn't there. It's like they kind of force it's like, and we're doing this. We're we're gonna make a brand new Indiana Jones and and kind of go, you know, the the whole last Skywalker route, just overcrowded and mm. bombastic. And it's like no one asked for this movie, especially after Crystal Skull. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just a shame because we've talked so much about shrinking on this show. And Harrison Ford is just top of his game right now. In Some my of his best work ever. He is doing incredible work on that show. So I've been so excited to see more of him as he seems so much more re-energized in his career. He seems to care about acting yeah. again, yeah. which he hasn't in a long time. He hasn't in a long time. And you know what? Honestly, when you're Harrison Ford, you can do that. You can just show up and be like, all right. And then we're still here for it, right? You love his frittata line in Morning Glory. Yeah. It's, it's great. But I, I, think, I think you're right, Jonathan, though, that a lot of people are just like, for why do we have this movie? And also, big big picture beyond this movie, what does this do to Disney? I mean, you were talking earlier about how they announced all these sequels. Maybe people are getting tired of seeing the same thing. No, no, no. Like, a, like, a, like the you know, 
Now, people aren't getting tired of seeing the same thing. I don't think that's it at all. Again, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 just made almost $850 million, right? right? Toy Story's, toy, the new Toy Story is going to be big. The right. new the new uh, Frozen is going to be big. But, but things that people aren't asking for. like But, it's, but yeah. then it comes, what, what people aren't asking for. And I don't think a lot of people are asking for another Nina Jones. I was excited when they announced it, but I wasn't clamoring for one before they did announce it. And yes. so I don't know. I hate to be ageist, but people thought he was old in Crystal Skull, and that's nearing twenty years ago. Well, he was. How much did we say he was older? That like in in uh, Crystal Skull, he was. I can't remember how many years, but he was X number of years older than Sean Connery was in Last Crusade. Right. And now he's in his. He's pushing eighties. Yeah. Get out of my age. Get out of my. <laughs> exactly. Like, are are people wanting to see an action film with an actor? It, listen. God bless me that I be in anywhere near as good shape as Harrison Ford is at his age. Like when I get that age, uh, very, very few people are in as good a shape as Harrison Ford is at that age. But do people want to see an action film with a near his 80s action star? I I, I don't know. I, I'm not saying they do or don't. I'm saying I don't know the answer to that and question. And there's no more treasures in the world. We already found everything. There's gone. nothing to find it's now. It's charted. If you go yeah. into the past... At least museum. want dinosaurs. We're belonging. <laughs> want dinosaurs. I want this dinosaur. That's what this should have been. I don't Indiana want Jones dinosaur. and the dinosaur. You know what? A Nazi T-Rex. <gasps> That's what Indy should also, have been fighting in this movie. Also, Indy's missing a dog. This all this time he's never had a pet dog that's cute. A and gets Nazi T-Rex stole his dog. I mean, yeah, I feel like Indy would have probably been the one to hurt the dog, given the animosity he has towards it because of his dad. Oh. Indy. <laughs> he's named after the dog. Yeah, but can you see that? Like a Nazi T-Rex with his little arms? Like I could totally. <laughs> what, what is Indy gonna do against that? Well, he's got a, he's got a, he's got his whip, right? He's got. You know what? Know. Yeah, it's not going to open fairly well. Where this conversation went tells me that uh, <laughs> hey, gonna... I'm going to see this movie, all right? and so are you. Still. I'm happy for all the fans that love indie. Like, hopefully, they like it. That's most important to me. Numbers are numbers. That's for studios to worry about. But for me, as a movie watcher goer, I just want people who love indie to love this movie. That's all I ask for. Like, I don't like seeing people hate movies. Yeah, I, I hope it's good. But again, the love. reviews and the reactions mm. have not been great. The trailer's so. so good, though. Who knew we needed sympathy for the devil mixed up with the original score? Like, <laughs> God, so good. All right. All right, guys, with that down, let's let's move on to this here, shall we? Uh, people got kind of excited when they found out that at the new Netflix Tadum event, Ta-dum. that they would be sh- <laughs> they would be it, showcasing. No, a... did you guys coordinate that? No, no, no. It's such oddly a... enough. Ray and I just share one brain cell. <laughs> What's yeah. weird is I was between him and it was just like, <laughs> you got it in stereo. You know what? It took me three readings of that when I first read it to figure out, oh, Wait, what like, is, that's how slow I am. Yeah, what does T-U-D-U-M stand yeah, for? Is that an acronym? Kept, yeah, so yeah, they're t-dum. T-dum. <laughs> so, so people good. got excited that when news came out that they were going to be showcasing their first look yeah. at the new Avatar, live action Avatar of the Last Airbender. And they did put out a little sizzle, but it's literally a 54-second thing of nothing but graphics. Like there's, there's no actors, there's, there's no scenes, there's... Nothing in it, just kind of graphics, you know, earth, fire, water, air, <laughs> and then this image, the last airbender. Okay, that's fine. But but they wow. did release really images. And I got to tell you, even though images do not tell us if the movie's going to be good or not, okay? Let me be clear about that, or if a show is going to be good or not. I do love the images. Now, let's, let's see if we can get my screen up here. 
They gave us our first looks at, first of all, here's Katara. And it, the actress's name is, oh boy, I'm not going to be able to pronounce it right, but okay. Kia <laughs> Wenitio um, as Katara. That looks wonderful. With her hair loopies. Yep. Hair and loopies. The, the, the jacket, the coat, she looks great. And she's the worst looking one. What, what, by, when I say worst looking, I mean in, as compared to what I think it would look like compared to the animation. <laughs> She's obviously, this is a beautiful young girl. This is this is good. Her costuming's great. But then, then you get like armor, yeah. Then Ian Owsley as Soka. I, just the expression on him, his face is perfect. Oh man, I wish I knew what you were talking about. The expression on his <sighs> face is perfect. So there's that. Then it gets even better... My goodness, what's let me get his name here. Dallas, Dallas Liu, Liu as uh, as Prince Zuko. Zuko. Look at I I need to see that scar without the helmet right though. Because right now, a little too pretty. I need I need this to be something that makes you a social pariah because your father wounded you in an Agni Kai. Still, I huh? I personally think this looks really good. It does. I think he looks great, and it's kind of a full body thing in his in his uniform. But full marks to Ang. Oh, Ang looks great. One Punch Man with an arrow in his head. It's it's One Punch Man I mean, face right here. That's how you know this face is right there. I, I'm the Avatar. Yeah. Now listen, just because these images look good does not mean the show will be good. I'm going to be very very clear about that. But as somebody who doesn't give too much care about whether the costumes or do they look accurate. I, I don't care about that stuff. To me, honestly, that stuff does not make a movie or show better or worse. It really doesn't. It's just a nice little garnish. That being said, I love the way these people look. I love the way they've made the characters look. I would have loved to have seen Appa. Oh, yeah. They, they didn't show the Mappa? They they didn't the guy, show the, the Appa. Animal? The Mappa? <laughs> Floating along with them. But, you know, Chris, Aww. I know you are quite excited about this show. Oh, my God. Were you disappointed that their whole first look preview was nothing but titles? And then what do you think about the individual images we see? I mean, I'm obsessed with this so much that when I saw it come up, it was just to me going, long ago, all the four nations lived together in harmony. But then everything <laughs> changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Uh, I think it looks cool, though. I love these images. And a few people online, too, were saying this looks like cosplay. Yeah. Really? Yeah, cosplay looks freaking dope. What so was, what, what was it supposed look to look like? That, that's kind of how I feel about it, though, of, well, what do you want them to do then? Yeah. Because if it's not accurate to the animated series, people you're going to be annoyed. If it's going to be its own entity and totally go off the rails, people are going to complain. And then when it looks like the actualization of the animation, mm -hmm. people complain. You mm -hmm. can't win sometimes with no. fans. I think this looks really fantastic. The one point I will give to the M. Night Shyamalan horrible live action film is I did like the tattoo styling on Aang in that where it was a whole bunch of different kind of scripts right. written in there. I thought that was really cool. The solid line is a little intense, but that's what it looks like in the cartoon again. So one point to M. Night. Um, one nice. point to him. Okay. One point right. there. On the board. One on, the board. on the board. M. Night is on the board. But I think this looks fantastic. There also was this really adorable clip that's making the rounds online of Gordon Dallas, Aang and uh, Zuko, respectively, on the red carpet together being asked about, like, what's the best kind of bending and stuff? And they're so much their characters. <laughs> and they have great chemistry together. And they're just, the, that kid Gordon is precious. He's going to, I think, be such a good Aang. He just seems so How sweet. How do you say his last name? Is it Cormier? I think it's like Cormier. Like Daniel Cormier? 
I'm not positive, though. Okay. I apologize, Gordon, if I'm butchering your Gordon last C, name. Gordon C, baby. To Gordon me. C. Gordon C, that's it. There you go. GC. But he just G-C. seems like such a, a charming fella, and he and Dallas on the, the red carpet were just delightful together talking about why one bending would be better than the other, with Dallas saying, oh, fire bending is the most elite. It could destroy everyone else. It can wreck things. And Gordon stepping forward and saying, and as the Avatar, I would say, that seems a little violent. And uh, <laughs> and it was just so cute to see them. So I'm I'm looking forward to this. I think this is a great start. Do I want to see more? Obviously, especially since the entire to dumb kind of crux was, and you'll get your first look at Avatar, the last airbender. And it was this. And it is yeah. our first look. Granted, I give them that. They were correct. Sure. But, but I feel when, you're it was a network, when you're a network, though, and you tell people at our event, you're going to get your first look at this. People, you have set the expectation that people are going in expecting. It's not the fans' fault that people are expecting video footage. Yeah. You didn't say video footage. But your TV but show, an and you're saying, "Come get your first." They look could have at the done show. that exact same trailer, but then have Aang pull out his glider, or have him yip yip on Appa, or do something, and I would have, you know, lost my goddamn mind. Does this mean Netflix with this presentation, they're going to start dropping two or three trailers before something drops on their service? I have no idea. Oh, uh, because that, that would be cool to actually so to get. Because if this is all they're going to show and then they're going to drop it, that's not going to help much. No, no, there's definitely going to be. It'd be really cool if Netflix advertised in general. Yeah. By the way, this isn't coming out till 2024. Oh, no. No, no, not till 2024. So it'd be early for a I don't think that we're at a point in time in June of 2023 that they need to be dropping trailers now. But if you're going to tell your audience at this event, we are giving you your first look at Avatar. Come on. Don't say that if you're not going to show them something from the show. Like a slideshow. Yeah. Yeah. And it even would have been different, too. In the animated series, they have that whole opening, right, where it's the different elements with a bender in front of them performing some active bending. And even that, even just having a bender in front of that and do that little (laughs) opening, I think would have changed the game for how people were receiving this as the first look. (laughs) All right. Well, I, for one, am very much looking forward to uh, watching Avatar The Last Airbender live action. I've said it before. Other than HBO, nobody has a better track record making series than Netflix does, uh, other than HBO. So I- I'm really looking forward. May it be great, may it be terrible. All right, guys. With that down, we're now going to move on and start taking questions from our YouTube channel members. Again, those who are channel members, uh, you check into the community tab on our YouTube channel every day, and there's going to be a spot there for you to throw in your topics and questions. And we'll get through as many of those as we can. But before we do, we're going to take another moment and thank a couple of other sponsors of today's show, the wonderful folks doing good work over at BetterHelp, and of course, my mobile service provider, Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of this video, BetterHelp. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. Think about it. The person you were five years ago is not the exact person that you are today. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way that we do until we talk things through. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. And guys, striving for better mental health is something we should all aspire to. 
I've talked about this before, but when somebody goes to the gym, we applaud them for getting out there to improve their physical health. Well, it's about time that we start looking at mental health the same way, not just by encouraging the people around us to look into therapy, but by also taking the step to take care of our own mental health as well. So listen, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Campia today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Campia. We want to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, your utility bills and favorite streaming services, inflation is everywhere. Seriously, make it stop. Thankfully, there's one company out there that's giving you a much needed break. It's Mint Mobile. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. You guys know that ever since I switched to Mint Mobile, I've been saving almost 70% a month over my old phone plan. For people looking Looking for extra savings this year? Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just $15 a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile passes the significant savings on to you. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just $15 a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at BetterHelp and, of course, Mint Mobile for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show podcast. Remember, guys, when you go and check out and support our sponsors, you're actually supporting us. So if you look down in the description, you'll find links and promo codes to all of today's sponsors. And thank you again to Rocket Money, BetterHelp, and, of course, Mint Mobile. All right, guys, with that down, let's get over to the questions that our YouTube channel members have sent in. Chris, what do we got? From CJ Rebirth, happy eight years today to Pixar's Inside Out. Uh, One of the few films that made me cry first time I watched it, which was when the, uh, the scene when Joy realizes how important sadness is to Riley. Also can't wait for the sequel to come out. I'll tell you what, I, I it might have been on this show that I said the other day that I, I think I now realize that Inside Out <laughs> is probably Pixar's most underrated and underappreciated film. I mean, I know people like it. But it's it's magnificent. I, I really that is one of the most beautiful movies they've made, um, and I think it deserves a lot more attention than it gets when people talk about the great films. I still remember at CinemaCon when they showed us the first look at Inside Out, and it was the emotions going on when the two parents were talking to Riley around the the table about how. The guy is interpreting what's being said, the dad and the moms. And I just remember laughing my guts out at that. But it's a beautiful, wonderful, fantastic film. Eight years since that movie came out. Ugh. All right, what's next? From Red One Real Talk, coming out of Flash, I had a lot of deep discussions with friends comparing how having it all was portrayed here versus in Spider-Verse. Flash definitely had me rethinking many theories I had for the next Spider-Verse film, given where the last one ended. And I'm curious if you had any similar reflections having now seen Spider-Verse. I'm not quite sure what it is he's asking. I'm wondering like, if this is kind of the idea of um, 
De- Destiny and Fate versus Choice. Maybe. A little right? bit, because without spoiling things, right, Flash examines things from a much more fixed point, whereas Spider-Verse, there are those fixed things, canon events, but, but we're each, seeing if there's fluidity to them, yeah, and but, both does that. But each individual universe in the Spider-Verse has its own canon event, yes. right? So it's like, it's not like in Spider-Verse there are canon events that take place in all of the uh, universes. It's that each one has a canon event for it. And Flash- With a through line for all universes though. Everyone has some sort of Uncle Ben. Everyone has some sort of officer moment. Yes and no, right? Because like- That's the pitch. Right, because- um, Everyone had an Alfred. Every Batman had yep. an Alfred. Yeah, this Batman had an Alfred, but do do others. So I'm not like the thing about Flash though is it it sets there was one base reality, and again we're not going to go into it because not spoil anything. Right, but yeah. the spaghetti example again, mm-hmm. which again I love the, love spaghetti, the spaghetti example. I, I thought that was great. So, but honestly, no, watching Flash didn't give me any other thoughts about Spider Verse because they're both handling the concept and perception of alternate realities, multiverse, time, all that kind of stuff. They all, they both handle them in their own individual ways. And so one doesn't really make me think of the other, to be honest. All right, what's next? From Tainted Virtues. <laughs> Hi, John and crew. <laughs> Could the box office performance of the last few DC movies, including The Flash, have an impact on James Gunn's Superman legacy? Or do you think audiences will give it a fair shot? 100% will have an impact. Listen, it is, let me go into the sports analogy here, right? When you have a team that's been together for a while, the stars start to get a bit older, your best players, contracts are running out. And then what will happen in sports is that a lot of times a team will go into what they call a rebuilding phase where they have to trade away a bunch of the more expensive players. Some of their better players maybe retire and it's, it's time to put the team back together again, reassemble the team. And that will sometimes take a little bit of time. With DC, I think James Gunn, Peter Safran, David Zaslav, and all the people over there, they have to understand that they are now entering a rebuilding phase, right? With Superman Legacy in 2025, they have to rebuild the image of DC. They have to rebuild the trust of the audience. And they have to, in the same time that they're rebuilding their entire narrative. Superman Legacy is going to have a hard time at the box office. It doesn't matter how good the movie is. Even if the movie is great, they have to be prepared that, hey, we may make a great movie and it may still only make $400 million at the box office. And they have to be okay with that and understand that this we are back to square one. We've got to rebuild trust in the brand. We've got to let people know that this is what they can expect when it comes. So do not expect Superman Legacy to do great at the box office. The only thing they should hope for and we as an audience should hope for is that they make a great movie and then build from there. And as long as nothing looks like Zack Snyder's uh, universe, yeah. like, you know no. what I mean? There's two directors I can think of in Marvel that really try to change up things. And that was James Gunn and Taiki, Taika Waititi. With the, look at the posters of Ragnarok and look at all the Guardian stuff. That is a different style from like the normal, what we had in that Well, Marvel. Eternals was another big uh, yeah, yeah. departure as but, well. But like the bright colors and things like that. Yeah. As long as he goes different from what we've had in DC. According to his interview on Inside of You, he said this is a new, completely yeah. new like 
palate. They've never it's gonna yep. it's gonna grab yeah. everyone's attention no matter what. And plus, it's Superman, the big dog. You yeah. know what I mean? So, but again, they have to. Uh, they cannot be shocked, surprised, yeah. or discouraged when that first movie. And I'm not saying it's only gonna make four hundred million dollars, but I'm saying if it does, you can't be surprised by it. Be ready. Be prepared. Brace yourself that the first one you put out with this new rebuilding that's coming off of the garbage heap. I'm not talking quality, but I'm talking about the results of DC and the fact that the audiences have abandoned them, be ready for that and then they'll be fine. This is, the DC universe is not going to be salvaged with one movie. Yeah, It's going to take three or four movies in a row that are consistently high quality and gradually win back and change the perception. We talked about perception with the Pixar films. Perception right now of DC is it's not worth watching. It's going to take, you're not going to change that perception with one first movie you lay your foundation with it but it's going to take three or four great ones in a row to rebuild that billion For dollars sure. baby Look right at off the bat highest grossing superman film ever. Billion dollars i also movie. think to to guns and um uh it, you know he has a history of coming under budget on on projects yeah and, he does or, or meeting budget i think he has a realistic view that this is a starter movie and he's not going to set a budget that's going to break the studio as well, I think that as well. So on the expense side of this, I think they're coming in prepared for this argument so that they don't blow their proverbial load on on this movie and then yeah. lose a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's going to work to the but, it's, it's just, but even then, they have to be prepared like, hey, we still need to give it enough of a budget mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. under, to we got to make a great first impression. Where it counts. And he's got to say to David Zaslav, hey, just so you know, we're probably going to lose money. Yeah. That first mm -hmm. Superman legacy, we are probably going to lose money. And that's okay. But it doesn't have to be end game level of CGI. Highest exactly. Grossing Superman. No. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I really believe that. It's, yeah. Without saying it, it's going to be the highest grossing Superman film. And I hopefully I'm. Well, that uh, means it's got to make about $700 million. I don't know if it'll make $700 million. <laughs> right. Because well, Man right. of Steel made high 600. I looked that up before I said that. Huh? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, so I'm all in already, baby. I'm all in. Billion dollars. Seven fifty. Seven fifty. Here we go. All right. What's next? Always well, good to have your research and going into debate. <laughs> From Brandon C. After seeing the Flash, I've got to say I've got some pretty big reservations about Machete directing Batman: The Brave and the Bold. Mm. Maybe I don't know the tone of that version well enough, but I'd love to hear everyone's thoughts on their comfort level with him doing this now that everyone has had a chance to see the Flash. Fucking. Super excited. Yeah, I am too. I am fucking super excited. I think he did a fantastic job with Flash. When you when you go and look at films like It, Mama, like all that kind of stuff, he I think he is a terrific storyteller. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are upset. It always comes down to, the first thing I always hear from people is, I hated the visual effects. No, no, no. You actually like the visual effects because I'll tell you why. <laughs> what? Because number tell one, me my opinion, tell me John. I have never, I have never seen in all the movies and TV shows that have had the same actor on scene playing two different versions of themselves from a visual effect technical point of view, never been done better than it was in this movie. What? I've never been done better. Wow. 100%. And, and I say this as a guy that we actually had to do that at my old visual effects company for a movie. We had to have an actor playing the same. I, I've never seen it done better. But it always comes down to whenever I hear people criticize the CGI of Flash, it is never not in the Speed Force. Yeah. Every time somebody brings up their, their... I'm not saying they don't have any that's not outside of it, but whenever people bring up, I didn't like the CGI, and then they start with the Speed Force stuff. 
especially after watching it the second time, that was clearly a visual style. The Speed Force was supposed to Those look different. Those people are different. supposed to be like avatars of themselves. Yeah, it was a, It was supposed to look different. I think what Chris <laughs> well, and I, I talked about- I think with one line, they could have said like, are they supposed to look like this or something well, like I didn't, that? I, they shouldn't have to. And I think what Chris and I talked about last week is, is key. I think they should have made it look even more stylized. Yes. Yeah. And I think Because people, that was the problem it became. Because I think people yeah. watched it and first thought, oh, this is supposed to look normal. And, and it, it, it wasn't looks supposed to look normal. Yeah, so that was, their, that was yeah. the mistake they made. But when I looked at the rest of it, like I love the visual effects of him racing through the city. I love the, like when you look at that, Ooh, I want to be careful what I say. Yeah, don't say but, it. But there's in the first act of the movie, there's a big action sequence in the first act in the first <laughs> act of the movie, right? That involves multiple characters at multiple places through the city and multiple things happening. And I thought it looked wonderful. Um, I, yeah, <laughs> I just, looked that, so that, bad. That part I but, didn't because yes, it was not in the. I want the visual yeah. effects aside, and we can have the debate about visual effects all yeah. day. The visual effects aside. I think what Andy Muschietti did with this movie was wonderful. I, I really thought he told a fun story. I thought he did. He made me care about Barry and his plight. Um, there's a scene in in this movie where Barry is face to face with a character, and there's a, a tear forms in Barry's eye. And I'll tell you what, I was getting choked up. Oh, well, yeah. I, like I it, was gonna it got me in there. I was going to say, even just on the emotional level, and this doesn't give anything away, but the scene around a shopping cart. Yeah. The uh, that, performance that, was that, like, that, that, oh, that's lovely. oh yeah, man. That's lovely. I will give you all that. But I will say with the machete and Batman, he gets a clean, clean slate. This yes, time. he does. With the impact of James Gunn. So this one, he kind of had to use some of the Zack Snyder stuff. You know what I mean? Like just because it was a part of that universe. Yeah. Right now we get a full clean, clean slate. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. So. I I haven't seen enough of his work to really make a judgment call. Well, the least educated on him. Like, you're, you're, you're not, I'm a, not a horror, a horror movie aficionado. Fan. I loved it. Yeah, I, I always hear amazing things from it. And so everyone else I know is really, really mm. on board with this. Man, I'm sorry that my voice reached a pitch that only dogs could hear. But like, I, I thought it, I thought that Haley Mills and Haley Mills did a better job of showing oh, two people. I knew you were going to go there. I knew you were going to go there. Yeah. What's next? Which one yeah. was that? Parent Trap from the teens. Oh, my God. I was really impressed by the There were so many moments where I was like, ew. Right now, Gen Z is like, who the hell is Who are they? The Lindsay Lohan wasn't the OG. There's a scene where I won't give any context, but where one berry is carrying another berry. Yeah. And I, I was great. looking for the for the digital stitching around the face, around Ooh. all that kind of stuff. I I thought it from a technical point of view, I thought it looked perfect. The bits around phasing was just uh, so funny. Yeah. Oh yeah, that stuff was good. That was, that was really good. <laughs> anyway. oh, that was really great. The comedy was great yeah. in it. <laughs> okay. All right. What's next? All right. Let's spoil it. All right. Happening right now. Okay. <laughs> From Jesse has a turtle. What are your <laughs> overall thoughts on using a dead actor's likeness to bring back characters in a film? Characters are characters. Characters are characters. As long as it's there's permission to use that likeness. Yes. One hundred percent. As like there is, uh, there's a, a scene in Flash where. I'm sure you've heard, I won't go into the specifics, but yeah, where we're the likeness of a, of a passed away character is there. Permissions have to be got for that. Like mm -hmm. they had to go out and get permissions to do that. And as long as the permissions are there, yeah. it's a character. And if you want to pull in that character and use that, and if we're talking about one specific one in Flash, hey, listen, I've seen the movie twice and both times that particular appearance happened, the audiences I was in 
had a really good reaction to it, a really mm-hmm. good response to it. So I liked it. There's one that I want to talk to you about off camera that I'm sure they had permission for, but it's still, and this is not something your average moviegoer would know about anyway, but it was one that I went, oh, I don't know about that oh, because of the, the everything the around people, them. Right. That, yeah. So yeah. I want to hear that too, because okay. I couldn't figure it out. All right. What's next? So let's end the show now. You got the cameos? From Frank Don- uh, Franklin Donahue. <laughs> hey, John, with late night talk shows on hiatus right now, how is this affecting the outreach and marketing for these movies? Do you think some of the recent underperforming movies would have benefited from a talk show hyping them? Well, I mean, oh. they definitely have an impact because when a big movie's coming out, all of them mm-hmm. book big on all the late, mm-hmm. they're always talking on the late night talk shows, right? That's just one of the big pieces of the marketing puzzle for them. So with them not being around, that was big. But again, with the situation like The Flash, it was made even worse. They couldn't do any marketing yeah. because, or no no press touring at all because of the Ezra Miller situation. So would that have turned, say, Transformers Rise of the Beasts from a, what did we say it had an opening weekend of? Uh, 70? 60, wasn't it? Hold on, let me look. look that up for me. Yeah, 60 yeah, or 70 for now. Would that have turned... Transformers Rise of the Beasts from a 60 or $70 million opening weekend to a $130 million opening weekend had they had late night talk shows to do the press tour of and promote late night talk shows. It was 61. 61, okay. Would that have turned a 61 million opening to 120 million opening? No. Would it have had an impact though? Yes. It, it could have been the difference between a $61 million opening and a $71 million opening. But but don't tell me you wouldn't have loved to hear Michael Keaton talk about going back sure, into the but suit. I mean, he'd be like, that would be so cool. You'd have him, but you couldn't have Ezra. Anymore. I know, that's the problem. Without yeah. Ezra, then you could the really. You don't and really and Michael Keaton has done some, some did some early press, right. but that was around, he was also talking about Batgirl situation. Right. Yeah, he was yeah. talking mm-hmm. about another movie he was coming out around that time. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think it would have made a difference, just not a monumental shift difference. Sure. Still it. got people going on hot ones. Yeah. See a big boom yeah. in hot ones. Yep. No Ezra on hot ones, surprisingly. No. no. All right, what's next? From Alan S. Happy Monday, Campia crew. I got early screening tickets for Mission Impossible for July 10th. Nice. I know it's only two days before the release date, but still excited to see it early. Heck yeah. yeah. Listen, I, I have early. gone to special advanced fan screenings that literally is one day before it comes out. I just love getting to see movies that I'm excited about early. So, yeah, I don't care if it's only two days early, man. You be excited yeah. that you're going to get to see this movie earlier than you thought you well, were. Funny funny uh, thing that happened that the Flash uh, movie went to. When they played that Mission Impossible uh, trailer? trailer, the guy right next to me, is when Tom Cruise does the little motorcycle thing, he was just like... <sighs> <laughs> like, 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 oh my God. Like, cause he was telling his girl, his girl is like, oh my God, this guy's crazy. Listen, I don't, know <laughs> I don't know if it's online or not. I think it might be, but there's like a full, like 15 minute feature of yes. just them setting yeah, up and that. executing mm-hmm. and everything that went into them doing that one stunt of Tom Cruise driving the motorcycle off a cliff. And yeah. didn't they do it multiple times? A lot of yeah. times. Oh, like he had to jump like a hundred times yeah. or something so like that. So it's like a lot of times for practice. Yeah. With, with him <laughs> being like, my legs weren't right that time. And there's no visual effects other it's than the fact him. that they digitally removed the ramp that he drove off of like that. But that's that's it. It's it's literally Tom Cruise yeah. driving off that. Cl- it's not a matte painting of a big canyon. It is Tom Cruise driving his motorcycle off that cliff. And, and from it's the crazy. top view, my knees shake a little bit when mm-hmm. I look down that. Oh, when you're somebody who has a fear of heights like yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. My <laughs> knees shake like, a little oh, bit no when way. I see that. Yeah. No way. All right. No way. What's next? 
From Ethan Co. Entertainment. Hey, John and crew, love the show. Uh, Pixar's Elemental came out a few days ago, and it was extremely delightful. Question, do you think Elemental will have really strong legs in theaters <laughs> overall? It's one of the lowest opening Pixar movies so far, but do you think it can pick up steam? Tell Thanks for bringing on the filthy. Gotta no. tell your friends about it. Almost, can it pick up steam? Listen, it, it is a statistical never. Oh. Have there been movies that have opened and then, <laughs> pardon me, and then picked up momentum? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It has happened, but statistically, it's such an infinitesimal number that's pretty much never. So like next week, you're not going to see Elemental make $31 million at the box office next weekend. Yeah. It's not going to happen. The question will is now, I feel really bad saying this because I love this movie. The question is now, how badly is it going to flop? Oh. It, it, like this movie flopping is now, it's, it's, that's set in stone. This movie's going to be a flop. Mm -hmm. The question is, how big of a flop? Can it maintain a 50 to 55% second weekend drop? In which case only makes it, has it making like 15 million or less next yeah. weekend. Or maybe it does great, like amazing, and only has like a 40% drop. Well, then the movie's making $19 million next and weekend. And it really, it does need to either stay the course or pick up steam because a $200 million budget on this one. Yeah. it's it, So again, the question is no longer, can it pick up momentum to the point that it becomes a hit? No, no, no. The question is, this movie's a flop. Can it break even? How? Oh, it's, it's not going to come anywhere near Ugh. breaking even. That's the question is, how big of a flop is it going to be? And again, I hate saying that because I love this movie. But flop, already determined. How big of a flop, how monumental of a disaster is this going to be? Will it be, hey, it lost money, whatever. Or will it be, this is a studio crippling amount of money that they lost. And you know what's crazy that, that I just realized when I go to like Target or something like that, they still have all the Lightyear toys. I was looking for Elemental. They haven't even put them on the shelves. You know how before the movie comes out, weeks before. Or where they, they sold out already. Oh. <laughs> Amazon, you're my friend. <laughs> Didn't think about that. Yeah. All right. Last question of the day. What's next? All right. All right from Big Cookie. Big cookie. If Pixar makes an Incredibles <laughs> 3 and it's great, do you think it belongs in the conversation for the best trilogy of all time with Star Wars, Paddington, etc.? Better no. than Star Wars. First, let's talk about Star even, Wars and Paddington. I love both. that lineup. Oh, <laughs> crap. Great. Uh, well, first of all, you can't even say Paddington yet because we, we haven't, haven't got a Paddington. Yeah, and, and you can't say big, big Cookie without asking you, did you try any of the cookies Anne brought home from Starbucks yesterday? I did. Were they good? No. They weren't? I, oh, Starbucks because they cookies? look good. No. I, had, I had the Reese's peanut butter cup. I don't you know, like cookies. cookies. They're just like, right. They had a yeah, okay, Reese's good. peanut butter cup cookie. Take and it, it wasn't bad, but it, was, it wasn't as good as crumbles or cookie plug or anything or like raise. that. Did Anne tell you what I ordered? No. It was a waffle, right? Like a waffle, like a, a like Belgian waffle. Inside it was they custard. Like cream what? from Boston cream pie. Really? And I said, John would love this if they drizzled a little chocolate on top. Then why didn't you buy one for him? Well, because they, it was the last one. And he had Well, why didn't himself? you give me yours? Well, I ate some of it and ate it. She's like, this is bomb. But anyways, what was the question? <laughs> Paddington Star Wars? Well, big cookie. Uh, by the way, I'm just getting notification mm -hmm. uh, from uh, my business guy making sure you saw the Craven trailer. So I'm guessing that the Craven trailer has dropped. Hey. Well, I, we'll, we'll talk about that on the channel a little bit later. Oh. How? How? Because I, I know things. <laughs> really? 
We'll talk more about that. Let's talk more after the show is done. You just want to have all kinds of off. We're just going to have a lot of conversations today. With that down, guys, (laughs) we didn't answer. That'll do it. Yeah, it'll be today's installment of the John Campy Show podcast. Thank you so much for hanging around here and joining us for this show today. Big special thank you to our YouTube channel members for sending in those questions. Number one, because you gave us fun, interesting things to talk about, and number two, by being a YouTube channel member, you actually support all the stuff that we do here. So thank you guys so much. For that support. If you are checking out this podcast on the YouTube channel, hey guys, the better experience is probably listening to it as a podcast. Go into your favorite podcasting app of choice, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, like right there, look at all those stars, or on Spotify. And by the way, there is a video version of this podcast that is on Spotify. So you can go and subscribe to our, our channel there. Or if you're on YouTube and you are one of our YouTube channel members, we put up a video version of the show on there as well for our channel members. All right, for everybody in the room, Raymond Ora, yeah, 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 Jonathan Voico, Chris Carr, Hi. who owns a sound booth now, by the yes, way. Yes, I do. My name's John Campion. Until next time, my friends. Bye, bye.